You're listening to 10 Points, a podcast with your hosts, Ash and Nicholas, where all the talk is Canadian Highlander, our favorite format from the best trading card game ever, Magic the Gathering. Hey everyone, it's me, Ash. And me, Nicholas. And today we're going to talk about the ins and outs of Tempo. But first, we need to talk about our best cards from the set Portal. So, Nick, what do you have for us? So there wasn't a lot. Uh, there were a few. Um, I'm gonna go with Personal Tutor. Um, it doesn't see a lot of play, but it still goes in some decks. Um, I I built, uh, blue-green extra turns recently, and then didn't actually get to play it at an event. Uh, but I got to jam some games with it, and that would go right in that deck. Um, and it went in, like, the old Storm lists. I don't think it's a very common include anymore. Um, but it sees some play. Yeah, with uh, with the way the, the Breach Storm deck works, there's just very few things you would want to personal tutor for. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I considered personal tutor as my card of choice. The other main consideration was Sylvan Tutor, which is the same card but for creatures. Um, and I actually ended up going with Wood Elves as my pick, mainly because though Sylvan Tutor and personal tutors seem good and they are they just kind of struggle to find a home really um most of the times where you would be wanting to play effects like that doing it at sorcery speed is just way too slow and sets you up like it gives your opponent a whole turn to counter whatever you're looking to do um so i went with wood elves which we mostly see that in big ramp decks or lands decks and uh in Bant ETB decks, you'll see what elves quite frequently. Um, so, yeah, that is that is my pick. I also thought about Fire Imp, and then didn't. Ironically, Fire Imp is probably the card amongst those four that I've played the most. Uh, I think what elves is me. It used to get in a lot of my um, four-color Kiki Pod lists, but I have been playing it less and less recently. Mm, and by that I mean is. I haven't played it in a long time, but it used to be an auto include for me. I mean, now you just get fury. Yeah, I mean, let you you already had uh, flame tongue cavu, uh, but I was usually playing both of them, which I don't play fury anymore. I mean, now you just have palace jailer, you have solitude. Um, I don't actually even play flame tongue cavu anymore, just because there's better options. But, yeah. So, uh, moving on, I guess. We're going to talk a little bit about Tempo. Um, I We talked about this a little bit before, how Tempo kind of has a definition that's a little tough to put your finger on. Um, it's kind of a amorphous definition, I, I think. Uh, either that or people just can't really agree on what it is. But, Nick, do you want to kind of give your your idea of, of Tempo? Yeah, um... The way that I usually think of Tempo is a deck that's trying to play very cheap, efficient creatures, um, and then just, like, use those creatures to end the game while disrupting your opponent however you can. Um, so that usually looks like getting down... Like, a good... Like, a prime example would be, like, playing a turn one Delver, and then using a combination of a bunch of just, like, the most efficient cards that you can find... To just slowly, like, tooth and nail, claw, ever so slight card advantage every card. 
um, or not even card advantage, just a little bit of advantage in the game per card until your opponent's dead. Yeah, I always think of it, I mean, it's a pretty similar definition where you want to land a threat and then uh, Nicholas used the word disruption or disrupt your opponent. And I think that distinction is very important. Um, the distinction of disruption and control. Because um, control usually means you're kind of setting up to just stop whatever your opponent's doing, where disruption usually just means you're slowing them down. So when they have to, they have to take that extra time to actually resolve their spells or do what they're trying to do, you can take that time to kill them. Yeah, like the big difference would be while control is trying to completely stop what your opponent's doing, um, in tempo, you just want, like, it's, you know how, like, being on the play, you get that slight advantage? Tempo is, like, every card that you play, you want it to be the equivalent of you being on the play, where you're just, like, ever so slightly ahead. Um, so, like, unsummoning your opponent's creature while on a control deck, that's not very good. In a tempo deck, that's great, because now they have to spend their mana and their time to replay that creature, and that's one less attack step they get with that creature. And one less block step they get with that creature. Yeah, and all the while you're just slowly, or maybe quickly, killing them with whatever cheap, efficient creature you played. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that you can do is, aside from unsummoning, we can kind of move down a little bit here and uh, talk about the types of interaction you want to use. Um, as Nicholas pointed out, using... Uh, removal, even if it's temporary removal, such as unsummoning effects, you really just want to have like the cheapest, most efficient cards you can, so you can maybe unsummon their creature and then hold up a counterspell for it, or uh, be able to unsummon their creature and play a creature of your own. So that's why you want to play cards that are really, really cheap, such as unsummon, vapor snag. What other bounce spells are there? Those are the good ones. <laughs> Uh, Yikes. I mean, there's, like... You, you, you also get to use, like, all the one-mana removal. Like, even if you're in tempo, or even you're in white tempo, you're probably still going to play swords. Yeah, and then in, like, red tempo, you're on bolt and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I, I do want to jump back to the threats real quick that you're playing as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Just, so, the the most common examples are... Um, you want each each threat that you play to be able to win the game by itself. That's kind of your goal, is you really only need one threat, and then you just keep that threat around um, and use that to win the game. So, like, examples are the Miracle Grow creatures are really good. Um, that's kind of the whole concept behind one specific tempo deck that we'll talk about. Um, and um, really, any... really quick before you... I want to make a quick distinction. Um, when we say, in this context, when we say we want a creature that can win the game by itself... And that's a little different than how we use that term in the mid-range All About episode. In mid-range, we want cards that can win the game. Literally, that single card can win the game on its own, for the most part. But with tempo, we just mean we don't need more creatures. You usually still have to support the creatures with your interaction. Yeah. Um, yeah, usually your creatures are things like... Um, Vendillion Clique and Brazen Barber are really good examples of really strong tempo cards. Um, because they kind of check all the boxes. They are evasive threats, and evasion is really uh, something that you're looking for in your um, in your threats because they're hard to block. 
Um, but they also uh, provide some sort of disruption. Vendillion Click obviously attacking the hand and Brazen Borrower bouncing something back to their hand before you play it. Um, and then things like Delver, uh, Mana Gorger Hydra, Spell... Is it Spell Sprite Dragon? Spell Skite Dragon? It's just Sprite Dragon? Sprite Dragon. That one. The... Just the... Yeah, the, the two the mana... Permaprowess? Yeah. Yeah, it's Sprite Dragon. Solid card. Alright, and we can keep talking about the interaction now. Yeah, so um, other types of things you'll play are things that protect your creatures. Sometimes... Um, that would just be an effect like Blossoming Defense, which gives your creature Hexproof till in turn. It's a one-mana instant. Um, you might see things like Apostle's Blessing, which can give your creature protection from a color. You might see uh, the new card from Nuka Penna. It's called Slip Out the Back. It makes your creature phase out. Just different ways to blank your opponent's removal uh, for as efficient of a mana cost as possible. Um, you don't see that many black tempo decks. Probably the most common one I would say is Grixis, but you really don't see tempo in black all that often. But if you do, you're going to be looking at the one mana uh, hand attack spells in that deck for sure. Yeah, uh, and and one thing to note too, the reason that um, not as much slip out the back, but Blossoming Defense and Apostle's Blessing are so good is because they also have secondary modes. Um, well, secondary lines on the card that are very good uh blossoming defense also gives your creature plus two plus two uh which can sometimes just be the extra push that you need to win the game um, and apostle's blessing can give it protection from a color which obviously can get around blockers if necessary to kind of get that little extra push yeah um, i'm gonna briefly skip ahead a line to say that uh go to the la- this last line here which uh the inter- interaction you want to be playing is versatile cards like nicholas just said you the fact that those both do a key thing you want them to do in addition to doing other key things that you want your cards to do um the the poster child of this type of thing that i think about in these types of decks is simic charm it's two mana it's a green and a blue mana and you pick one or three modes you can either give your a creature plus three plus three till in a turn give a creature hexproof till in a turn actually it might be all your creatures get hexproof and then the last one is you bounce a creature. So it does three different things that you would really want to be doing in a deck like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last form of interaction, we kind of talked about this a little bit, um, but it would just be removal. Um, so we talked about like the unsummons, and then if you have access to it, you're on the really, really efficient removal. You can't really afford to be on any of the more expensive removal, but... Um, things like path and things, or not, not even necessarily path, but you're probably playing that, but swords, um, bolt, fatal uh, push, fatal push. If you're in black, um, just the really efficient stuff. Yeah. Unsummon if you, uh, are in blue and maybe don't have access to some of the other colors. Um, yeah. And you'll often be playing a decent number of cantrips in decks like this, mainly because a lot of your, uh, creatures that grow themselves um do so based off of casting spells or drawing cards so cantrips get to trigger all those while helping you find the cards you need um but you don't play as many cards in these types of decks that are going to generate you card advantage that uh, like you're not going to play the same number of card advantage engines like you would see in um control or mid-range decks because your goal is just kind of to get a little bit ahead just long enough to end the game. 
Yeah, and that actually brings us pretty well into our next, uh, like, our, our final thing about, like, what composes a tempo deck is because you're not um, generating that much card advantage, um, oftentimes you'll be at the point where you're just, like, right on the precipice of winning or losing. Um, and so you kind of want these over the hump cards, uh, as we phrase them, which are just the cards you, that, as you phrase, as them. I phrased it, uh, which are just the cards that give you that little extra push at the end to end the game. Um, so we have some examples here. Um, things like Berserk and Teamer Battle Rage are obviously really good at just kind of like suddenly ending the game. Um, if you're attacking with like your five, five, uh, Mana Gorge or Hydra, um, you can all of a sudden turn that into a ten ten. Uh, well, I guess if it was a mana gorge hydra, it'd be a twelve twelve. But like any any creatures like that, um, it just can be like a sudden push you over that last final hump. Yeah, if um, your opponent's expecting the clock to be X, and then all of a sudden it's Y, they can just be taken by surprise and die because of it. Yeah. Um, and then another couple examples would be something like Time Walk for the same reason. Just, like, taking an extra turn in a deck like this can really um, just give you all that you need. Um, and then another common example that you'd see is something like Bolt Snap Bolt, um, where you're just, like, all of a sudden killing them. And that's where, like, these versatile cards come in, uh, where Bolt is obviously very efficient removal, but also can just be that final little push that you need yeah um that, that's something you it's a lot of people will be familiar with from like modern or legacy delver type decks which we'll talk about in a minute actually yep. uh so now we're gonna look at a couple examples of tempo decks what kind of tempo decks exist in the format um we've kind of been talking about examples about it this entire time but the the poster child oh, i've said that twice in this episode now the the most well-known tempo deck in the format is called Sorensen. It's a red, oh, not red. Nope. It is a blue and, it is a blue and green tempo deck. Um you're going to be playing a lot of creatures that are you play very few that are more than 2 mana. Um but you mostly just play a bunch of cards that uh, creatures that get bigger when you draw cards or cast spells and a lot of interaction and cantrips. And then, depending on the build, you're probably playing a couple ways to generate card advantage, but not much. Yeah, and and the name Sorensen comes from a player in the Victoria community that invented the deck. Yeah. Um, but it's just essentially a blue-green tempo deck that uses a lot of, of the Miracle Grow creatures like we talked about earlier. It probably has access to the best spread, which is why it's blue-green, um, just because <laughs> all of the best miracle go creatures are in blue green and you get berserk it, it probably has the access to the best point spread and also cards that should be pointed <laughs> um and berserk of course uh another deck that depending how you build it can look a lot like Sorensen is rug delver which is teamer delver um this deck it was adapted from Legacy. A lot of people are probably familiar with it. You're playing uh, really efficient green and red creatures along with Delver of Secrets and a few other things like that, like Murktide Region, for example. And just pretty much the best spells out of all those colors. 
Um, for example, Berserk and Lightning Bolt and Ancestral Recall, uh, to name a few. Um, I think you get a lot out of red. Like, you get to play Expressive Iteration and stuff like that. Um, Team or Battle Rage. Team or Battle Rage is a big one, of course. Um, and there's another red creature. Oh, Ragavan. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Ragavan is a great one. Um, so uh, you'll see that deck play very, very tempo-y, where um, it has a very, very low curve, and uh, you're looking to just stay just far enough ahead of your opponent until they're dead, and you're not really trying to just like overwhelm them in value. Though I will say... This deck, probably better than any other deck on this list, is can do that. Well, maybe the last one, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. The next one that we're going to talk about is Blue-White Tempo. That's probably the next most common temp- tempo deck that you'll see in Canlander. Um, and it's similar to Sorensen, but it trades off a lot of the Miracle Go creatures and trades them for a lot of the... Um, like taxi kind of creatures so like the thalias would be a good example um where they kind of check the box of being able to end the game very efficiently but also kind of disrupting your opponent a little bit um so you're kind of making the trade-off between the ability to go as big in uh Sorensen, but you're trading it with um like creatures that also do another thing um, and then, of course, you still get all of the good blue Miracle Group creatures and evasive creatures that you would normally see. Yeah, and that's a pretty good segue into a deck that a lot of people probably don't consider to be tempo. And me and Nicholas might have a slight disagreement about the exact nature of this deck. But Death and Taxes is a deck that, in my eyes, checks a lot of the box. Now I'm saying all your phrases you said in the episode. <laughs> Uh, Death and Taxes is a deck that that to a lot of uh, to hits a lot of the points that I think that makes something a tempo deck. It's proactive enough to lay down threats and try and kill your opponent without regard for what they're doing, but it also has enough uh, tutors in it and is able to find the things that interact with their opponent the best. Um, so it, it has a lot of it's very much trying to get ahead of the opponent with ancient tomb effects, uh, soul rings, to just stay ahead of them enough to, you know, uh, uh, kill them. And the deck has very few ways to just draw a bunch of cards. So it's not, again, it's not really trying to win the long game. Yeah, me and Ash were talking about this one beforehand, and I don't know if I would call it a tempo deck. Um, I mean, like we said at the beginning, tempo is a very abstract and difficult to nail down concept but at everyone the very, defines it differently yeah but at the very least it does have a lot of tempo aspects um it just kind of combines the two uh the two game plans that you're trying to do of land a threat and disrupt your opponent and it kind of combines it into one where all of your cards uh do both of those things so it's kind of like i guess its own uh subtype of tempo I can. I think I can agree with that. You you said earlier it's not tempo, but it's tempo-y. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I, I do want to touch on as well before we move on to the next section is uh prowess. Um, prowess decks don't see too much play, but um, like the rug delver deck 
plays somewhat like a prowess deck. Um, but like there are some decks that lean more heavily into prowess effects and prowess adjacent effects, like Sprite Dragon and some Miracle Grow creatures if they're in the right colors. Um, but those decks are playing a little bit less interaction and more just trying to like chain together cantrips and uh, some pump spells usually and a lot of double strike spells just to try and kind of make one explosive creature or a couple explosive creatures. Um, they they do play t- tempo-y, just to, they don't play quite as much interaction. Yeah. I would and say then, they're more proactive. And then there's a lot of decks that are, like, have um, strong aspects of tempo. I think D&T is probably the highest on that list, which is why that's sort of in the tempo section. But there's a lot of decks that draw from the tempo archetype and just take them their own kind of different direction. A good example would be something like Blue Moon. Um, while it's typically considered a control deck, I would say it is the most tempo-y of the control decks because you can play a lot of those um, like evasive threats, um, things um, like Nimble Obstructionist, Vendillion Clique, Brazen Borrower. Brazen Borrower. Um, and you're also on you can be on um things like Merktide regent and stuff and you're kind of using things like counter spells and blood moon to disrupt your opponent um so while blue moon is definitely much more of a control deck um you do see do see some aspects of tempo come through every now and again yeah and a couple key cards you'll see in uh, almost every blue moon list you'll often see um crackling drake and glorybringer um, not that those are necessarily tempo cards, but like once you control the game just a little bit, not even really late game, you just like slam these cards and start killing your opponent really fast. And another thing that I think encourages Blue Moon to be able to play kind of tempo like is all almost all of its removal is a targeted burn, and a good amount of that targeted burn can just go to the opponent's face. So after they've run their opponent out of cards, or even just have a hand that looks like they can kill their opponent, they'll just start pouring the burn at your opponent's face and just kill them. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we get to points, I just kind of want to talk about what's not tempo. I mean, obviously it's, well, I was going to say obviously it's somewhat obvious, but I guess I can't use obviously. I'm going to just move on. Yeah, just uh, keep going. Things that are not tempo. Uh, control, even though it, tries to stop your opponent from doing things and then land a threat, it does it in the wrong order and in the wrong fashion. Uh, tempo is trying to land a threat and then disrupt your opponent. Control is trying to stop your opponent and then land a threat. Uh, midrange uh, is trying to consistently land efficient threats while also progressing your card advantage in your board state and also disrupting your opponent. Um, but it doesn't fit into the tempo game plan because it's really more trying to outgrind your opponent and have just enough disruption to like beat like the combo decks and uh other creature decks but it's just trying to land some of the maybe more expensive uh creatures that are still really efficient and good at killing your opponent um but things that you would not consider in a tempo deck now i do want to say that uh there are almost any mid-range deck has the capacity to be built a lot more like a tempo deck than people think. Like, I've played against multiple Jun decks that, like, I've looked at the list after the fact, and it's basically a tempo deck. It's, like, interacting uh, more after stuff is resolved. 
Um, but like it is very much they weren't playing as many of the late game grindy stuff. They were playing more cheap interaction, cheap threats, and it like it'll play very tempo-y. Yeah, and um, I think kind of depends how you build it. I think the best example of a mid range deck that played very tempo-y um, is back when Chad from uh, the de- the episode where we talked about his deck Red Green Bond. Uh, we talked about how it used to be a uh, teamer deck. Uh, and we did talk about Team or Delver, but this was definitely not Delver. Um, but it did play very tempo-y, where he had um, like just enough uh, counter spells and removal that when he landed a threat, he then just like disrupted you. Now, I wouldn't call it a tempo deck, um, and we actually, he, he was talking recently, um, and he said that the reason that he switched away from tempo, or from Teamer, was that it just felt really um awkward sometimes like it was some it was it was going down two different lanes of like trying to sometimes he would draw all of the like trying to end the game cards and sometimes he'd draw all of the trying to uh control your opponent cards um but he wasn't consistently getting that nice split but that is kind of what tempo is is when you do find that nice split in your deck of ending the game and disrupting your opponent um so i think that was the best example of a mid-range deck that uh, could sometimes uh, a, sh- a ray of tempo light would shine through the clouds. <laughs> um, I think you already talked about these, but just in case you didn't, I'm going to just briefly touch on other things that aren't tempo is um, Nicholas mentioned control, how the, the main difference is the order of operations where uh, you want to control the game. And once you have a full control of the game, then you want to land a threat. Um, Prison is kind of the logical extension of that idea where you want to shut down your opponent completely and then slam a threat. Um, Usually once your opponent is completely out of ways to possibly deal with it. Um, And that's like the opposite of tempo. Uh, Tempo also usually is looking for a much shorter game than either control or prison. And actually looking for a shorter game than most mid-range decks, I would say. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so now we want to talk a little bit about the different point spreads you might look to play in tempo decks. Do you want to talk a little bit about the main cards you see? Yeah, so there's like a lot of different kind of point spreads uh, we could talk about. I think we talked about both Time Walk and Recall earlier. Um, Those are definitely points that you can consider. Um, But you can also just go for, like, there's so many, uh, like, one-pointed blue cards. And almost all of them are really good in tempo. Um, True Name Mimesis is a very, very good threat for tempo. Uh, it checks the box of evasion very well. Um, and, then, and it protects itself. Yes, it does. Um, and then things like Mana Drain, Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time um, are all... I mean, I know we talked about um, you're not like trying trying that hard to gain card advantage in tempo, um, but you are trying to play very efficient cards, and those are cards that are, or especially, I mean, Mana Drain obviously is a very good counter spell um, that also lets you maybe play your play your threat and hold up uh, mana to disrupt your opponent later. But um, things like Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time are efficient enough that you're just playing them because you're already dumping so many cards in your graveyard using cantrips, using counter spells. Um, and paying one to draw three kind of 
uh, goes in that category of getting over the hump, um, where you're not playing more of some of the more expensive sources of card advantage just because you that's not your game plan. The really cheap sources of card advantage uh, are really good. I, I mean, I found myself cutting Jace the Mind Sculptor from Tempo List before. Yeah, um, Jace... Which, I mean, it, it's... I usually good. would play it in a tempo deck. It kind of depends on the build. But yeah, it's just... it, Like, it, it kind of checks the boxes, but it's not reasonably ending the game by itself. And it doesn't disrupt your opponent enough. Um, and you're not in the business of blocking. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and that's not us by any means telling you to cut Jace the Mind Sculptor from your tempo deck, because goodness yeah, knows, I have, well, I have played it in tempo decks, and nah, it I'm is perfectly, perfectly good. Um, yeah, it's very good. But it's Sometimes just better. not wrong to not be playing it. Fear um, is mud. Yeah, we are contradicting ourselves every turn. Um, other points that you could play um, in certain tempo decks are, I mean, you could just play some Moxin, um, kind of get out a little bit faster. Um, I don't think that would be my choice in a point spread, um, but especially for decks like D&T, which are sort of tempo-y, um, I think Moxin are, yeah, are a very strong option in there, as well as things like Soul Ring. Um, I yeah, think... I would. I would lean to Soul Ring crept over Mox's personally, but I've seen Mox builds of D&T, and it's perfectly viable. Yeah, and I think it depends on the list. Um, a lot of like dedicated tempo decks are actually very color-intensive, so playing things like Soul Ring and Mana Crypt are really awkward. Um, yeah, because you play a lot of like one-drops with colored pips, and that's it. Yeah, a lot of one-drops. A lot of your threats are... like double blue like we're talking about vendillion clique and brazen borrower uh those and true name nemesis all are double blue uh cards and you're really not trying to get to four mana that hard like usually playing two mana cards yeah the power of soul ring is either that it gives you the ancient two mana to count to cast uh some of your like one like one colored mana two colorless mana cards um but really in or or to get you to four mana those are the two reasons you're playing soul ring but in tempo once you get to three mana you really don't need to be getting past that too much there's a few cards that you'll play um, i mean looking at all these lists we talked about um death and tax is the only one i think that i'd be looking to play ancient two mana in yeah I would agree. I wouldn't. I would not put Ancient Tomb in any of the other decks that we've talked about. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm also referring to Crypt and Soul Ring. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Another uh, other pointed cards that you will often see in tempo lists is Umzawa's Jite. Um, that one's one of those where it's, it's kind of feels awkward sometimes, just because of how much mana has to go into it for it to start working, but once it starts working, it can, it's really hard for creature decks to keep up with it. Yeah, especially um, because Jite is very happy to be on an evasive creature, and we are playing a lot of those. Yeah, very, very true. Um, uh, other, if you're in a red tempo deck that's two colors, and honestly, depending on your build, if you're if you've you've got 
brass balls, you might also go for it in a three color deck, but play Price of Progress. Um, that's one of, that kind of falls into the over the hump section, just kind of being able to end the game once you've gotten close. Yeah, um, I I think I really like Price of Progress in well, I mean red blue, yeah, like red blue, um, or something like that. Yeah. Red blue is a uh, you'll very you'll usually see that as a more privacy full of cantrips kind of deck. I think we've talked about we have a local player who played twenty four lands, mm-hmm. and somehow it went like it it never hurt him. I think he's like thirty and four on games. I have had so many games against him where I'll be on like thirty six lands in my deck, and he will play more lands than me. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, he just plays so many cantrips. Yeah, he's just he hits like digging through his deck constantly. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't dumb. get the chance to play that often. Um, but hopefully, we'll have him on one of our four mans at some point. Yeah, I would. I would quite love to have that deck be shown off, and it'd be even better if it just totally punts, so we can look like we're liars. Oh, for sure, that'd be fantastic. Um. Yeah, do we want to talk about like what are some of the like the main reasons to play tempo? Yeah, so I don't play tempo all that often. Um but when I do go to play a tempo deck, um I'm usually kind of approaching it with yeah, the idea that like I want to play a proactive game where I'm trying to kill my opponent, but I still have interaction. It's not just like okay, you you, you know, killed my thing and now I'm not playing the game anymore. Which, to me, sometimes aggro feels like. I know that's not true, but it's just the way I feel sometimes. Um, so if you're looking to kind of be a little bit aggressive, but still be able to interact with your opponent, tempo is a great option. Um, actually, kind of, once I describe it like that, I, I do feel, kind of feel like red-green bond is a, like, can play kind of tempo It's more aggressive than tempo but I feel like it has games where it just looks like an amazing tempo deck. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't think I would qualify that as a tempo deck in any way, but... No, I said tempo-y. Sure. Chad, let us know. I don't think it checks the box of trying to protect your threats or really disrupt your opponent. I mean, like... Yeah, I would it, agree with disruption that. comes in the form of some Another burn spells... Uh, and oh, like sure. a scavenging ooze, but besides that, his entire game plan is just play efficient creature after efficient creature after efficient creature after efficient creature. Maybe an efficient planeswalker in there somewhere uh, okay, until no, his the more you talk about it, the more you're him. right. No, you're you're right. You're right. I don't know what I'm talking about. He literally described his deck as I'm going to keep playing efficient creatures and pray that my opponent can't remove them all. Yeah, which as you've seen usually works. It works. Um, um, it ju- it works. It just works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so some people got that reference. Some people didn't. And if you didn't, uh, ping me on Discord. I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, the next reason to maybe play tempo sometimes is if you want to give yourself a headache and play forty chess. Uh, sometimes tempo just feels like uh, he knows that I know that he knows kind of thing, where it's like he knows that or I have. She. Pre- yeah, yeah, he, she, or, yeah, whatever. Um, it's like, alright, they know that I have a protection spell or a counter spell, 
and I know that they know that I have some sort of interaction, but they have to deal with this threat, so then they play their threat, and I have to decide if I want to tap out to kill that, like, it's, it's a whole thing of... Especially when somebody resolves a Gataxian probe. Yeah. Um, and, and we talk about control all the time, where threat assessment is very important, but in tempo, it's even more important. Because in control, at the end of the day, you can't really afford to let your opponent be doing that much. Like, your threat assessment comes in the form of, do I deal with this now or later? But in yeah. tempo, it's like, do I deal with this now, or do I let Not it sit there and try to race it? Um, like, if your opponent plays a threat, you're, like, trying to figure out, do I spend my counterspell on killing this threat, or countering this threat, or do I keep, just keep my threat around and just race their threat to protect my threat? So, it's, threat assessment is even more important in tempo, because you're very limited in your ability to interact with things. Uh, partially due to the fact that you're not generating that much card advantage, and partially due to the fact that um, you're not on as much interaction as a control deck would be. Yeah. Um, now, another reason you might play tempo, though this is the reason that I don't play tempo, is you're kind of always on the edge of your seat with tempo. Um, even when you're ahead, you're not usually strides and bounds ahead. You're usually just a little bit ahead, and sometimes it's not even obvious that you're ahead because it really depends what your opponent has in their hand. So usually when you're playing tempo, you're you you're not always sure how the game is going to turn out, if that makes sense. You're you're always on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's coming. Yeah, like like we were talking about in a lot of other decks, you're either like setting up some huge value engine that they can't beat or just dealing with all of their stuff or whatever. But in tempo, it's it, most games come down to a race. Most games come down to they have creatures, I have creatures, but I've done the combat math and I am pretty sure that I will come out ahead. Um, so you're never really in a position where you're like, okay, they cannot come back from this. You're more in a position where you're like, all right, I'm currently winning the race. I just need to keep it that way. Yeah. Anyway, I don't play tempo that much because I really like to just be really ahead and tempo doesn't do that. Yeah, I, I don't play a whole lot of tempo, but I do enjoy it when I play it. And I think I probably play it more than Nash does. Yeah, you do. But I, I will say one thing about it is even though you it's not you're rarely really ahead. You do. This is probably the deck that gets to have the coolest wins of like okay, we were kind of staring at each other, and then I cast Become a Mince Berserk, and I died. Like, then they died, you know? Yeah. Like, that, not really any other deck gets to do that, We talked. We talked about Bolt Snap Bolt earlier. The only thing better than Bolt Snap Bolt is Berserk Snap Berserk. Uh, yeah. Um, one time I, I did manage to Berserk Snap Berserk and Mana Gorge Hydra. <laughs> it was... Doing the math on that was a little confusing, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure if we resolved it properly, but they were low enough it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, most life totals in that situation are low enough for it not to matter. <laughs> That's true. The, the Mana Gorger had a couple counters on it already. Okay, so uh, do you have any pointers on 
like how to play tempo. I like we've kind of been talking the whole time about how you play tempo, like what it's about. But do you have any like tips or tricks in, in the general tempo idea before we move on to our closing segment? I'd say don't jump the gun on anything. Don't like automatically counter a threat. Don't automatically um, like swing or leave a creature back to block. Um, tempo is really about putting thought into all of your plays uh, because all of your plays end up mattering a lot. Um, so part of playing tempo is just playing the deck and getting a feel for um, like what you need to be doing at any given time. But the main the main thing to consider is get a threat down and then win the race. Uh, it doesn't matter if they also have a threat as long as you are going faster. If you're not going faster, you have to deal with the threat. If you are going faster, uh, you might not have to deal with the threat. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to that where Nick said all of your decisions matter. Um, I That's part of the reason I think... I, I think I said this about a different archetype recently, honestly. But I think tempo is one of the hardest archetypes to get really good at. And can be discouraging to newer players at the beginning because it's so hard to be good at. Because... Every decision matters so much. Even like you have to make decisions based on what you anticipate happening a lot of the time. So, you know, like Nicholas said, do you remove this threat or do you let it resolve and race it? That decision might like to make that decision. Well, you have to think about what else your opponent's going to do in the next three or four turns versus what you're going to be able to do. So making those decisions is very hard. Just trying to think of the game holistically, not this exact thing right now. I think that's a good way to put it. Okay. So let's uh, move on to our closing segment. Um, I think uh, I will talk about my things first because then you can have uh, the you can have the final word. Eh? All right. Sounds good. Okay. So um, I played twice uh, since we've recorded last. Um, the first time I was playing five color Niv to light that we brewed on the podcast, uh, there were I think about three cards different because I and the store did not have them. Um, but it was pretty much the exact same list. Um, let me tell you guys, it, it, it did not go well. Uh, round one, my opponent was on blue-white control. Um, I Game one drew, I don't remember exactly what my hand was or anything, but I drew five lands in a row. I counted, and then I lost. Um, I, d- I just ran out of gas, obviously, because I was drawing straight lands. Um, and then my opponent, not having to deal with any threats, just eventually set up their engine. Uh, game two, I went Mox, Sylvan Caryad. I, I went uh, turn one Mox Emerald into a Sylvan Caryad, and then I played a turn two Shorokai Genesis engine. Um, that beat blue-white control. I bet. <laughs> And then game three, uh, I got my fetch land stifled, and then just I just lost to that. Effectively, um, I just was not able to draw anything. Uh, I couldn't cast any spells for several turns, so my opponent just got to set up, and that's why you play stifle and blue white control. You often just slow them down enough to get to play a jace or something, and then you win. Stifle's also very good in tempo. Uh, yes, extremely played in every tempo deck. That's able to play it. <laughs> okay, um, round two, I got a buy. Notably, that counts as a win. Keep that in mind for later. 
And then round three, my opponent was playing a converted Duretti EDH deck. Um, mono red Duretti. It's like mono red artifact prison. Um, game one, uh, I had a Minskin Boo in play and a Grim Flayer in play. And I had an Ephemerate in my hand. And then my opponent manages to uh, just ramp into a Mindslaver. Like, not a combo, just like casts and activates Mindslaver. And then goes to my turn, sacrifices the Grim Flayer to the uh, Minskin Boo to kill the Minskin Boo. And then Ephemerates the Boo token. That's brutal. And then I, it was bad. It, it, it was not good. <laughs> Um, then I draw Clothis, which is actually a threat that can actually end the game, and then uh, it gets Chaos Warped, and I am a sad boy, and I I it, it Chaos Warps into a Bedevil, so I couldn't <laughs> even do anything with it. Um, then game two, uh, I like get a Clothis out pretty quick. And then my opponent Blood Moons me, which means I'm not casting anything. But I have Clothis, so it's okay. I have a little bit of green mana, and I'm able to kill my opponent with Clothis. And then he Chaos Warps it again. Into Bedevil, again. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? So I lost. It was an upsetting match. Or an upsetting night, really. But I went one and two. That win came from the bye. Um... But the deck played really well uh, when I was jamming games ahead of time, so I think I just kind of got some bad draws that night. But who's to say? Maybe we brewed a bad deck. Quite. I possible. choose to think the deck was great. <coughs> okay. Um, and then the next day I played. Um, I was playing blue white control. Um, round one I go up against an opponent playing goblins. Uh. I end up going 2-0. It's, he's a relatively, relatively new player, and the Goblins matchup is pretty good as long as they don't get too fast to start. Um, I will say they did get a very fast start with a turn 1 Goblin Lackey into a turn 2 uh, Muxus. No, sorry. The Muxus was turn 3, actually, because he had to play a Matron on 2 off the Lackey to go get the Muxus. And then he got a Ringleader off the Muxus, which drew him more Goblins. But I ended up being able to Wrath, and it was fine. Um, I ended up having a Will Kenworth emblem in play for like five turns, uh, and it was awesome. Best day of my life. Um, so that was sick. Uh, round two, I go up against Grant. He's playing a blue-black Tesserator style deck. Uh, game one, I have Ancestral Recall in my opening hand, and then using that Ancestral Recall, um, out of the top six cards in my deck, I drew five lands, and then not enough removal to deal with all of his stuff. And then I died. Very sad. And then game two, uh, he goes, uh, he goes, I play a land, and he goes Urza Saga, Sol Ring, Mana Crypt, Mystic Forge. Um, and then the rest is kind of history. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was scary. And then round three, my opponent is on blue, white, artifact, and taxes. It was kind of a tempo-y deck, honestly. More taxi than tempo-y, though. Um, we play... <laughs> it's like... Uh, the last round, and he forgets to start the timer. Um, the judge forgot to start the timer, but it kind of didn't matter because it was the last round. So we play, like, 
an hour and a half to a two hour match. And I, um, we, we have, uh, two games in this like two hour match, two very long grindy games. Um, I don't remember what happened all in game one. I just remember winning. Like literally right after the match, I wrote these notes down and I wrote down game one. I don't even remember. It was a 40 minute game and I won. Um, but game two was even longer. It was a huge back and forth game over the last like probably five to seven turns. I was fighting a cauldra because um, he had enough mana that every car, every creature he could play was equipped with cauldra and a lethal threat. So, uh, and I couldn't really bounce the cauldra because he just plays it again and gets a germ off of it. So I was trying to figure out how to do it. And I ended up winning with an entreat the angels for not all my mana, just enough to make three angels, which is a two turn clock and still hold up interaction for his other stuff. And I won with a very, very slim margin. I think I had like two life left. Anyway, I ended one in, or two and one, and I love blue eye control more than any other deck. Nice. Uh, no, please enlighten us. Yeah, so I did not actually get to play uh, either day last week because work has been crazy busy, and I have not been able to uh, reasonably make it to Canlander. Uh, so I'm going to grace you with a story from a long time ago when we were kind of somewhat shortly after we had first uh, started getting into Canlander and trying to build a community. Uh, this was before our local store ran events, um, and we were running our own events uh, in a building that we had access to. So That sounds so sus. It does. Uh, it, it wasn't as sus as... Well, okay, it was a little sus. I mean, not really. It was. It's such a long story to try to explain. It was a building that Ash's family. It's really not important. Yeah, I don't know why we're trying to. This it's this is not even sort of relevant to the story. Was, we were running was, our own events. <laughs> yeah, that is that's what it. you need to know. Um, with friends. Yeah, with with friends. Um, I believe Chad was playing at this point. Uh, some of Ash's siblings were. Uh, playing, and this was actually against one of Ash's brothers. Um, and I, one of my first real uh, Canlander decks was Grixis Control. I had a couple decks before that, but they were mostly just things I threw together out of my bulk. This was like the first one I actually bought and kind of tuned. Um, so I was playing a Grixis Control list, uh, and one of my wraths was Toxic Deluge, and I was playing against a green-red ramp deck that um, Ash had let his brother borrow. Um, and it is worth mentioning, uh, Ash's brother is not a very big magic player. Yeah, he's not very experienced. Um, he's not, like, terrible at the game. Uh, but there are certain lines that he wouldn't see just because he doesn't play magic all that often. So we're we're playing, and he casts the thirteen mana Emrakul against me. Uh, Promised End, I think, or uh, yeah, Emrakul the Promised yeah, End. Yeah, Emrakul the Promised End. Uh, and if you don't know what that does, it allows you to take control of your opponent for a turn and take their turn for them, and then they get another turn after that. But I had a Toxic Deluge in my hand. So I'm sitting here sweating, hoping that he doesn't see this line. I lay down my hand. He's in, in case you don't see the line, the line is 
pay all of your life to Toxic yeah, Deluge. Yeah, cast Toxic Deluge, pay all of my life, I lose the game. Uh, he's sitting there in the tank for, like, a good 30 to 45 seconds. So I'm like, alright, he doesn't immediately see the line. And keep in mind, this is a casual environment. Like, we're running events, but I don't think there was really anything on the line. This was just... I think, I think it, there were, like, 10 standard packs amongst four people on the prize pool. Yeah, we had some booster packs on the line, but it wasn't, like, anything super whatever. But he's sitting there in the tank for 45 seconds. I'm starting to, like, my heart rate's slowing down because he hasn't immediately seen the line. And I'm like, he's just going to cast some stuff, move on. And Ash just walks up behind him and he, like, puts his hand on his chin, kind of looks, and he's like, oh, just cast the dailies for his life total. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, I would like to clarify. I would like to clarify. This was several years ago at this point. This was many years ago. And... Not only was I not an experienced magic player, well, I mean, I guess I had played magic. I I hadn't been playing at that many like events. It was all like mostly casual, and I also was not a judge yet. So let's that is that is very I, I, afford me the grace comment section, please. And uh, Ash's brother so claims to this day that he would have seen the line. Who knows? He absolutely he absolutely would not. <laughs> no, he would not have. And uh, if you're listening to this. I believe you. You totally would have. <laughs> Which I do still think that I won that match. So, Ash. I, I think you did. I forgive you. Uh, I will not. That's why you forgive me? This. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I had lost the match, I never would have forgiven you. Unless you that makes sense. bought no, that me makes a bunch sense. of standard packs or something. Sure. No. Uh, yeah. So that is my fun story of the day of a time in which Ash. Uh, committed a. Committed a war crime. <laughs> A war cr- Jeez. I mean... No, that seems like... No, that's fair. That's fair. If, like, Emrakul is coming in and then just, like, forcing someone to take a bath in a toxic deluge, I think that counts as a war crime. Yeah, that seems like a war crime. Okay. Well, um, do you have anything else? No, I don't think so. Alright, well, uh... Have a good time, everyone. Don't forget to count your points, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Points Podcast, and don't forget to count your points.